Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. Coming up, we'll hear from Richie Holland after last night's defeat for Cork City. Dylan O'Connell is also going to join us to reflect on that. Munster are in URC semi-final action versus Leinster. It's three all after 21 minutes. Munster very lucky they got away with a try. It was ruled out for a knock-on by a Leinster player. Um, big day on Monday for the Cork under-20 hurlers. It's the Munster final versus Clare. Cork under-20 selector Ronan Kern is going to join us to look ahead of that to that. John McCarthy looks ahead to Cork v Waterford in the Munster Ladies Football Championship tomorrow and it was another big day in the Premier League. We said goodbye to Southampton. All of that coming up between here and seven. Aidan Lee, you're with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM 0868-104-106 if you want to get in touch with us and uh, yeah quite a busy busy day of sport uh, Lansdowne Road it's Leinster 3 Munster 3 it's been a tale of a couple of knock-ons because uh, Leinster were over for a try he was brought all the way back for a knock-on in midfield and then Craig Casey went through for Munster through I don't know I said that's so weird through for Munster and uh, knocked it on as well which was a really good chance for Munster at the time and I think like particularly the, the Leinster try that was scored it was actually off a Munster line out as well on their own 10 metre line which they managed to to lose possession of um, but they're plugging away here Munster um, 22 minutes gone I think a lot of people would have feared the worst here obviously maybe Leinster don't care as much about the URC as they do of the Champions Cup final that's on the horizon for them so it's a big chance for Munster to to get a win against Leinster in a knockout game as well at Lansdowne Road Uh, it would be massive for Graham Rountree's side we'll keep an eye on that as it progresses Um, just getting underway now is the clash between Clare and Waterford in the Munster Hurling Championship Jonathan Higgins is there and uh, the ball's just been thrown in let's hear his preview it's been a high-octane Munster Hurling Championship to date, but expect the energy levels to crank up even more today as Clare and Waterford face battle in Turles. Waterford gained many plaudits for their performance against Limerick, but ultimately came away from that round one tie empty-handed. Davy Fitzgerald's side were unable to build on this, however, and were easily beaten by Cork in round two. The Dacia are very much now facing an uphill battle, and nothing less than a win today will suffice. Clare, on the other hand, blew the whole championship wide open with that exhilarating victory over Limerick. Unsurprisingly, Brian Lowen has named an unchanged side. Michael Kiley's absence is the latest blow to Davy Fitz, who recalls former Huller of the Year Austin Gleeson. The other Waterford changes are Ila Daly and Peter Hogan replacing Tom Byrne and Colin Dunford. Throw-in at a sun-drenched Simple Stadium is at 6pm. Yeah, it is underway. Stephen Bennett has opened the scoring for Waterford, pointing from a free. It's a big day in the Talchin Cup and the equally important Joe McDonough Cup as well, uh, which some people can forget about. Um, it's current, it's, uh, well, it's a tricky one. I think at the moment, Kerry need, and it's not going to happen for them. It's not, because Carlo are destroying Offaly at the moment 15 points to 5 Offaly into the final already their place is secure obviously not putting out probably the strongest of teams uh, it's Carlo 15 points Offaly 5 Kerry needed to win 
and for Offaly to win neither of those things is happening that is if Kerry wanted to get into the final it's Kerry 11 points Leash 1-9 at Austin Stack Park it just hasn't happened for Kerry this season um, it's just been a bit of a frustrating year they just haven't been able to get going in the other game it's down 11 points Kildare 1-4 um, speaking of Kildare and turning our attention to Gaelic football Kildare are the under 20 All-Ireland football champions they beat Sligo 117-12 to points at Brefney Park big win for them uh, the Lady Whites uh, massive I suppose it was a novel pairing wasn't it Sligo and Kildare in a under 20 final Sligo had a, a great season as well of course knocking out some big guns um, so uh, fair play to them for getting to the final as Ben Healy has just put a penalty over Munster lead Leinster 6-3 at Lansdowne Road um, elsewhere then Telchin Cup Action down versus Waterford. There's four minutes gone there. It's down one point. Waterford one point. Limerick have scored a goal early on against Longford. Five minutes gone there. Limerick a goal to Longford's point. And uh, then action with Cavan and Leash and Meath and Tipperary also to get underway a, a little later on. Actually, Cavan and Leash are underway. It's full time between Cavan and Leash. Cavan 2.20, Leash one fourteen, And Meath and Tipperary play at half past six. All right, before we go any further, let's jump into a big day of Premier League action and round up these results. After 11 years, we say goodbye to Southampton in the top flight of English football. They needed a win to stay in the top division and even at that, look, they were probably going to go down eventually, let's be honest. It was Southampton nil, Fulham two. Here's Alan Lewis. It's finished Southampton nil, Fulham two, a result that confirms Southampton's relegation back to the Championship with two games still to go. After an uneventful first half, Southampton thought they'd taken the lead only for Carlos Alcaraz's goal to be ruled out for offside. Less than a minute later, they were behind when Carlos Vinicius slid home from close range. Alexandra Mitrovic, returning after an eight-game ban, came off the bench to head home the second. It's Southampton's 24th defeat in what's been a miserable season they'll start their next campaign in the second tier of English football it's finished Southampton nil, Fulham 2 yeah 11 good years uh, Southampton obviously Mauricio Pochettino was a big figure early on in that um, so long ago now <laughs> before his time with, with Spurs um, yeah uh, look best look to them next year in the championship uh, Captain Ward Prowse said it had been coming when these sort of things happen you go away individually as a club as a team and you, you, you look at yourselves and think have we done everything that we can to achieve our goal and um, I don't think we have um, and that's a shame that's a shame because I think it's all about having no regrets Elsewhere, big games in the race for top four. Manchester United with a big three points over Wolves. Alejandro Garnacho back from injury off the bench. Sealed the win for United. It was 2 0 Trafford. Darren Stanage. Manchester United 2, Wolves 0. United move four points out of Liverpool in the race for the top four finish with a vital win over Wolves. Anthony missed a big chance for United after eight minutes. A slip in the defence gave him the chance. He fired wide. He then missed a free header from a short cross. But moments later, United scored, won the ball in midfield. Fernandez found Anthony who beat the keeper and squared it for Martial to make it 1-0 into the second half Anthony, Sancho, Fernandez and Casemiro brought big saves from Bentley but without that second goal Wolves started to grow into the game and they dominated injury time but United countered and sub Ganacho struck off the post to make the point safe United 2, Wolves 0 Aston Villa did their hopes for European football a 
a world of good to be fair where the huge three points against rivals Tottenham for those positions they're level on points after it it was Aston Villa 2 Tottenham Hotspur 1 here's Tom Ross Aston Villa 2 Spurs 1 a massive win for Villa Ramsey put them ahead early on they went 2 up after a mistake and by uh, Louise allowed sorry mate my apologies I'm sorry my apologies I'm talking rubbish Attention Network, Attention Network, full-time report. Aston Villa against Spurs at Villa Park with Tom Ross coming in 3-2-1. Aston Villa 2, Tottenham 1, a massive win for Villa. They went ahead with Jacob Ramsey, 2-0 with a Louise free kick into the second half. And Spurs are darling great in the chances, but a controversial penalty on 88 minutes allowed Spurs back into the game. Harry Kane put it away, but he looked offside to start with. It'll be talked about for a long time. Aston Villa 2, Spurs 1. Yeah, we'll forgive Tom Ross for that there. Uh, we should have caught that ourselves. Uh, elsewhere, Crystal Palace, two nil winners against Bournemouth. Here's Joshua Adudonker. Roy Hodgson, what an impact he's made. Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth 0. Crystal Palace are back to winning ways. A fantastic victory for Roy Hodgson's men. Ibrija Eze with both goals either side of the break. His second of Peach cutting from the left and smashing it into the corner. Now back-to-back losses for Bournemouth, who offered nothing in the attack. No shots on target. Palace take the points. Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth 0. And more heartache for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2, Nottingham Forest 2. Massive point for Forest as they try their living best to stay in the Premier Division, in the Premier Division, in the Premier League even until next year. Here's Katsuv. The points have been shared here at Stamford Bridge as it finished Chelsea 2, Nottingham Forest 2. Forest missed the chance to go five points clear of the relegation zone and a step closer to Premier League survival. But you can't knock their determination. Two headers from Awanii meant they at least salvaged a point to remain in 16th. Chelsea's Raheem Sterling hadn't scored in the league for five months before today and like buses, two goals came at once. The first was a lucky strike, but the forward second was a beautifully hit ball straight into the top corner of the net. It finished Chelsea 2, Nottingham Forest 2. And the most crazy game of the day came in the early game. Leeds United 2, Newcastle 2. Big Sam got a point on the board. Look, I don't know if it's going to be enough for Leeds now. They have a game extra played compared to Everton. Um, and they're a point off Everton now. Everton with a game to play, obviously, uh, this weekend. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy game. Three penalties, one missed by Bamford, two converted by Cal- or by uh, Callum Wilson, should I say. And eventually Leeds just about uh, nicked an equaliser towards the end. And also did Newcastle no favours either in the hunt for European football. Here's Shane Pennington. Leeds 2, Newcastle 2. It's a point apiece then that doesn't overly help either in their respective battles at the top and the bottom after an enthralling game here in Yorkshire. Luke Ayling gave the host the lead before Patrick Bamford missed a penalty to make it two. And minutes later, Newcastle equalised from a penalty themselves when Callum Wilson struck from 12 yards. Then Firpo literally handed Newcastle another penalty from which Wilson got his second of the game before Rasmus Christiansen equalised for the host from 25 yards to make it 2-2. Late on, Junior Firpo was sent off for a second bookable offence for a foul on Anthony Gordon before Eddie Howe was pushed over by a supporter who broke onto the pitch late on in the game too before he was led away but in the end it's a point of peace for these two it's finished Leeds 2 Newcastle 2 
Yeah, just on that, lead supporter banned for life after approaching Newcastle manager Eddie Howe on the touchline of their two-all Premier League draw at Ellen Road. Uh, Howe's side conceded with just over 10 minutes remaining, as we've heard with two Callum Wilson penalties. Um, we're going to hear from, I don't know who we're going to hear from here, it's either Big Sam or it's Eddie Howe. Do, do you know what, I actually can't remember whether he pushed me or not, I've got no idea. Um, it was just such a strange thing because you're concentrating on the game it's not something you expect to happen he confronted me he said something I can't repeat and then he's led away I think that's what happened but someone might tell me different yeah look scenes you don't want to see in any sport really Um, but uh, look that's just it happens Uh, in Scotland champion Celtic beaten 3-0 by Glasgow rivals Rangers Uh, here at home Sligo Rovers taking on Shelburne in the League of Ireland Premier Division Uh, that's at the showgrounds at 7.45 action in the women's Premier Division as well Uh, Cork City women in action at Turner's Cross Um, against Sligo Rovers unfortunately they're 2-0 down as the second half is getting underway in the first division Longford Town play Treaty United at half 7 elsewhere Shelburne beat Dealer Waves in the women's Premier Division by two goals to nil at Tolka Park um, as we've heard Kildare All-Ireland Under-20 Football Champions uh, big day for them and uh, action still ongoing at Lansdowne Road uh, Stormers await either Munster or Leinster in the final they beat Connacht 43-25 and um, it's uh, tit for tat at the moment in Leinster Road between Munster and Leinster um, Munster holding their own for now anyway uh, 6-3 as we said Ben Healy's penalty a matter of moments ago and they've had some good territory as well uh, with 31 minutes gone in cycling Ben Healy won stage 8 of the Giro Italia um, the 22 year old is the second youngest ever Irish winner of a stage on one of cycling's grand tours and just the ninth Irish rider ever to do so alright let's look at last night's um, loss for Cork City unfortunately awaited on dock 1-0 up with 94 minutes gone on the clock and end up losing 2-0 down to 1, should I say, down to 9 men. Incredibly frustrating, as you can imagine. Let's hear from City coach Richie Holland. Richie, that must be very difficult to take. Yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, felt that we played uh, very well, good way of performance. I thought we restricted Dundalk to very few chances ourselves we carried a trek going the other way I think as well you know throughout the game um, I just need to be careful what I say here because obviously it's come down to referee decisions and when you look back at it I feel the Josh Honan's one there is uh, is a free out I think the first action comes from the forward and Josh obviously then as he's lost his balance brings down the player I think it's very harsh Keane Coleman's one then I think it's a strong challenge yeah it's aggressive I won't deny that it's aggressive he's won the ball I think maybe it might be the follow through or what, what have you but I think because of where it was right in front of the bench I think that's probably riled things up and it's kind of got things going and referees made a decision I think in the heat of the moment there you know Yeah I th- like from our perspective watching the game it was a, as you say a really strong away performance by the team tonight there's yeah. plenty to take from it Oh there is plenty to take but we've no points and you know that's the frustrating part at the moment I take a poor performance and a 1-0 win you know and that's that's the truth of it do you know like it's great you know, people patting in the back after and saying oh great performance and all that but at the end of the day we get nothing for it you know um, and that's that's the frustrating part you know I think maybe at the end of the first half there we could have got a second one maybe we set, set piece or two there where we had that back post where 
we identified we could get uh, a chance back there, you know, and Shepherd pulled off a save or two there, you know. But yeah, Dundalk had a lot of possession second half, but didn't feel at any time that, you know, we were really, really under the cost, you know. And Jimmy made one or two saves, but they were saves that, you know, I felt that he should make, you know, that they were at him and, and that his handling was good, he'd done everything well tonight, you know. So yeah, you know, it's it's one of those you come away and it's it's a sickening feeling, really, to be honest. Difficult one to take, Richie. Um, hard luck and best of luck for the remainder of the season. Thank you. Cheers. All right, Dylan O'Connell is on the line now to reflect on, I suppose, if ever a game was to sum up the season for Cork City, it would have been that game last night. Uh, Dundalk two, Cork City one goals in the ninety fourth and ninety seventh minute. Oh, how frustrating must it be, Dylan? If there was ever, I suppose, a period of time that just sums up the season for Cork City it's extra time last night because with, with the utmost respect to the club it's like everything that's going against them on the pitch is going against them at the moment and they're genuinely playing well like the two red cards I suppose as well like I mean it just uh, compounded and imagine I, I imagine like the, the, the nerves that must have instilled when Honing got sent off and then you can see an equaliser then Keen Coleman sees red as well like it's it just compounded it all really yeah like it's it's, I suppose, what's the best way to describe it for the club? It's just like I understand you'd be nervous because one, you're like, you know, they're they're actually holding out, they're actually going for a win up in Oriel Park, or Ground City have won in since the 2018 Presidents Cup final, and then you've like, so there is the nerves there. Then there's a recent run of form. There's the managerial issues, and then I suppose you equalise it onto nine men, as if they just mentally capitulated, for one for a better phrase. Is that being a bit harsh, or like, did the referee help them in any way? No, the referee didn't. Like, uh, the game, they didn't stop the game uh, for a head injury onto a city player. But like, this peak of one referee incident right now keep me on a rant for I suppose a lot of decisions this season. Yeah, it, it hasn't. It, it really in the last couple of weeks as well. It, it just seemed as uh, it's it's been compounded like in. Colin Healy obviously before he left like I think he was the biggest bugbear he had he just the last couple of interviews he did they seemed to be full of of, of just injustices and, and what he saw to be poor refereeing against Cork City and uh, it was nearly every game it nearly has been every game I'd say that, that something has happened that the fans have been really unhappy about with refereeing Yeah like I suppose look for example the recent defeat, the final defeat up against Daly in Daly One Park against Bohemians Barry Coffey is put through in goal by Rory Keating and once and the referee blew for an advantage as far as I know and like it's the thing is it's not just about it's not just about City it's, it seems to be like a like almost systematic in the league because you're seeing more and more incidents like when Bohemians played Shamrock Rovers in the Dublin Derby not not this last Friday the Friday beforehand there was from, in my opinion a blatant penalty for Bowes that got waved on and you're seeing more and more decisions like that get I suppose cited each week yeah which by the beauty of Watch League of Ireland or LOI TV because nobody actually have the ability to see those mistakes yeah and incidents yeah and I've even noticed a few of them as well in some Kerry FC games towards the start of the year there was one or two decisions um, I suppose then taking the bigger picture in obviously Cork City need to find a manager and they opened that process last week where where do they go? Where do you think Cork City are going to end up with, with a manager? Has there been any rumoured candidate, anyone that sticks out for you in your head as someone who could potentially come in and take over? Not not this early because it's like what people need to kind of realise about Cork City, the last three permanent managers of the club were Colin Healy, uh, Colin Healy, Neil, Neil Fenn and John Caulfield who are all former players of the, of the club. 
the last manager who was in charge of the club that didn't actually play for the club was Tommy Dunn and he departed back in the summer of 2013 which is quite which is over 10 years ago so like but there's no I suppose candidate sticking out at the moment who would come from the club's culture from, and like then you like you look at people like let's say oh who has the badges for it because that's a big thing do they have a pro license for it so like it's the pool then gets smaller and smaller but then also who wants it for, uh, yeah. because like you're coming to a club that's fighting for relegation so if you want to go in and say look we're going to try and play attractive football play you know pass the ball around you can't do that in a relegation battle because it's about getting results it's not about making a statement with your brand of football with each week go, uh, that goes by how, uh, how how much more likely is it that we'll see the sporting director Liam Buckley take over for, for the rest of the season I suppose until a suitable candidate is in place because he has he has a pro license so there's no issues there because I know there was originally an issue with uh, candidates who didn't have a pro license could only be in charge of the club for about 100 days because that's what happened with John Carter back in 2019 because he, he took over around the May bank all the weekend yeah. and he had to step aside and Frank Kelleher came in then as because he had the pro license whereas John Carter didn't there was, some, there was something like that happened back then so it's Liam Buckley probably step into the more the, the sporting director role once the manager is appointed but like again this could be a week process a two week process it could be it could be a very very long process and as well, like as long as he's on the training pitch, he's not able to do his job in 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 the office. I suppose finding players that they can bring in to help Cork City fight off relegation and and stay in the Premier Division. Exactly, like people often talk about Cork City as if like oh Cork City and like you no know, Lee Buckley stepping in the sporting director, and people straight away would think of let's like, say Friday night in Turner's Cross. Corks, that's just one part of what Cork City is. Like you've Cork City FC women who are playing Sligo Rovers this afternoon at Turner's Cross. You have the academies, you have the amputee team. So, like, Liam was brought in to look over, I suppose, the club as director of football, looking after the whole club, because, again, Cork City's men's team is just one part of the club. They they aren't the club, they're only one part of the club. Yeah. And I suppose, just as you've touched on Turner's Cross there, do you worry that as the results don't improve that attendances will really start to dwindle and just I suppose this is every sport it's it's the it, it's why sport is so cruel that just when a team needs the fans that maybe the fans might uh, that the number of fans will, will start to reduce the Turner's Cross like we like Cork City we'll always have I suppose in Turner's Cross and I said as, as a Cork soccer fan first and foremost there's always a crowd a decent crowd of let's say 1,000 1,500 people and those are the people you'll meet up in Bally Buffet so like the city will always have that court support but then as you kind of like irradiates out yes people will drop away but like I suppose they're the same people then if the Cork footballers win the Munster, Munster final against Kerry and Killarney they'll be the people then going to the Otter semi-final looking for a ticket it's, it's, it's I suppose the nature of sport in general of yeah. like you know people always want to follow a winning team like I remember um, there was times where Cork City could play, uh, Cork City could play at the start of the season and get let's say three or four thousand people and then in a couple of weeks they could be putting in the bones of six like five and a half thousand people so like it's yeah it's it is what it is it's it's just sport and like you, you can give out about it and like yes people will drop away but like again they sold out the first game of the season against Bohemians and they're still getting three thousand people when they've lost four thousand which when they've lost four games not four thousand games yeah. that would be terrible <laughs> but like um so yeah people will drop away but again there is that core support which will stay loyal to the club and like we'll get them through this 
Absolutely, yeah. and I suppose you just hope that those players can stick together. Now, I imagine that's the most important thing. Some of, some of those players have never had any other manager other than Colin Healy, and he would have been a lot of players for senior manager. Uh, so it's a difficult time for a lot of those younger guys that have come through the Cork City Academy. Uh, so there are locally a few experienced players there that hopefully will keep that group together and uh, take charge in that dressing room in the absence of that obvious leader in, in a permanent manager. Yeah, like Keane Coleman, he came through the club's academy. He won the end of the middle cup, the League of Ireland underage titles. So, like, no, he's a senior player. I know I say senior player. He's about the same age as me, which and I don't think of myself as a senior person. Yeah, but like, like there were there there was a lot of senior characters in that dressing room. People who've been around the league, like Rory Keating, he'd experience in England. He played for Sligo Rovers, Finn Harps, Galway United. So they are senior players in the dressing room. But like the younger players in the squad, then like I'm going to use for example, Keane Bargery and Keane Murphy. They came through to our, They came through at the club during the Nifen era when there was a lot of uncertainty in and around the club um, because of you know there was a takeover, there was a club getting relegated. So they went through that. So they would have the mental experience as supposed to be with uncertainty and how to operate in these situations. So like, but yeah, just, just sum everything up. There was a lot of leaders in that dressing room and a lot of people they can draw from as well. Yeah, hopefully anyway, uh, it doesn't get any easier obviously with with the fixtures, but hopefully. Uh, some positive signs might be uh, might might uh, come to fruition on the pitch. Uh, just before I let you go, you were covering the Cove Ramblers uh, Water- Waterford FC game last night, and after a really positive start for Cove Ramblers to the season last night, oh, what, like that must have been a real crushing blow for them. And I suppose just a sign of Keith Long, a man that if was on the market for Cork City now, I mean, how valuable a target he might have been. Uh, he's done wonders since taking over Waterford. Yeah, and like I suppose it wasn't an easy place to be in because like Waterford have never got promoted through the playoffs and they're kind of aiming for the playoffs now because you know Galway are basically a free train at the top of the first division table and he's totally transformed them. Like I saw them back when Danny Searle was in charge and when they played Wexford and Galway up in the RSC and there was a certain level of like there was no coherent attacking structure. They just lost Felix Patterson and there was they're still trying to figure themselves out. But now they seem to be an actual unit and it's it's a bad loss for Cole because it is. Like, if you had to drive from Coleman's Park to the RSC, it's only about a half an hour, 40 minutes drive in a good day. So, like, there was a certain element of a derby there, but, like, yeah. Cove were very good at picking themselves off. The reason they drew three games was that they went four games and, like, didn't win in four games. I know they've, they they got back to winning ways with the result against Kerry FC. So, like, it's, I suppose that's nature of sport, though, like, you know, and Cove were very good at picking themselves up. Absolutely. Well, Dylan, I'll leave you there. You're, off, you're at Turner's Grass at the moment uh, at the uh, Cork City FC women's game. Uh, so we'll leave you to that as that one sounds like it's heating up there thanks a minute for joining us on the bigger bench thanks Aidan yeah and it's still 2-0 there at Turner's Cross between Cork City and Sligo Rovers in the Women's Premier Division uh, it's 1-0 between Sunderland and Luton Town in the uh, League 1 or the Championship Playoffs should I say Amadi Yallo the United Loney has equalised for Sunderland there um, unbeaten in a little game Sunderland um, at the Stadium of Light, uh, Luton Town took the lead, which was a, a big surprise. Uh, imagine Luton Town in the Premier Division. In the, in the I'm getting mixed up now between the Premier Division and the Premier League. In the Premier League, with the stadium they have, I think the away end goes through a couple of fellas' backyards. Uh, so they could be a, an interesting proposition. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ronan Curran, the Cork Under-20 hurling selector, is going to chat to us ahead of the Munster final on Monday ahead against... 
Clare and we're going to hear from our very own Jer McCarthy um, the Cork Ladies footballers with a big big game tomorrow against Waterford the Clannacilty the winner going through to the Munster Ladies Football Final don't go away The Big Red Bet Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here in Cork's Red FM Aidan here with you until 7 o'clock and uh, Munster going in at halftime trailing 10-6 at Lansdowne Road against Leinster Jason Jenkins just went over for a try before the halftime whistle Harry Byrne converted after what was a largely positive first half for Munster uh, going trailing by four points big day of provincial finals tomorrow the biggest one is Armagh v Derry in the Ulster final you have to say four o'clock throwing in Clonus Rory Gallagher will not be on the sideline for Derry GA he announced he's stepping back as Derry Senior Football Manager with immediate effect ahead of that final tomorrow against Armagh. In a statement released via Derry GAA on Friday night, last night, yes, or was it Thursday? It was last night. Um, the Fermanagh native said he was taking the decision to protect his children following domestic violence allegations made against him by his wife Nicola on Facebook. Assistant Manager Kieran Mina will assume the role as manager in St. Ernox Park as Derry looked to retain the Anglo-Celt Cup. Gallagher's statement read, I have advised Derry GA that I am stepping back as Derry Senior Football Manager with immediate effect. This decision is born out of a desire to protect my children from the ongoing turmoil. They will always be my priority. Um, I think that was a statement released through his solicitor uh, where he said the allegations against him have been investigated and dealt with by the relevant authorities. And obviously, look, just really horrible situation and something that when you're talking about in a sporting content, context, you, you've, you know, there's the there's a possibility of trivialising that stuff and like you, you have to remember this is real people's lives that are that are involved in this and clearly look, you know, when the full facts may not be there either, but it does seem to be. I think anyone that would have seen the the uh, post in question would have been fairly, you know, you're almost traumatised by by reading it and uh, look like that when their children involved this really difficult situation. Um, I just I read the piece in the Examiner there just so I could get it factually correct because it's uh, it can be difficult enough things to deal with, especially on a sporting show in a sporting context. So um, I suppose it'll be. We'll just have to see how that one pans out. It looks like he won't be on the sideline for the rest of the year anyway with Derry, which uh, is probably for the best, shall we say. Um, but Armagh will be up for that one. And uh, Kieran McGinney, he'd be, he'd be looking for a piece of silver, won't he? Because it's what they're missing. If they got an Ulster title, you can say that that reign really has been a massive success. Um, and uh, look, it could be, it could be a, a big one for them. Obviously, Louth in Dublin then. Will we see an upset? Will we see uh, like an upset would mean Kerry, Cork, Dublin and Mayo all in the one group if if Louth could overturn Dublin. Stephen Cluxton starts in goals. Poor David O'Hanlon. Like what's he done wrong? The only thing he's done is he's not called Stephen Cluxton basically. Cluxton's come back in. He's in the team. Desi Farrell saying about if oh, if Hannon got injured let's face it he wants Cluxton in from the start. Um, yeah it's a big weekend of Gaelic games and uh, I suppose if 
plenty of Cork involvement as well uh, the under 20 hurlers will be looking to get revenge for the minors obviously the minors losing out to Clare during the week in the Munster final but the Cork under 20 hurlers have a chance to rectify that on Monday night in the Munster under 20 hurling championship final I spoke to All-Ireland winner with Cork and Cork under 20 hurling selector Ronan Kern this afternoon ahead of the game where he has uh, well he's confirmed that Owen Downey will not be able to play for the Cork under 20s Alright Ireland winner with Cork and Cork under 20 hurling selector Ronan Kern is on the line ahead of Monday, Monday's Munster final against Clare uh, Ronan I suppose uh, first of all thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench No problem uh, Massive chance uh, yeah absolutely a, ma- a massive chance for this young group to taste uh, more success isn't it on Monday how excited are you all as a group heading into the decider with Clare yeah I suppose very excited it's been a it's been a good year so far you know we've we've got three wins under or four wins under the belt and um, the lads are progressing nicely like but I suppose the under 20 level you just, you just don't know what you get on any day like in the day you're only talking about 17, 18, 19 year olds so like they, they're eager to impress and eager to well, and they're they're a good bunch of young lads. And look, we're looking forward to it. now. It's where we want to be at the start of the year to get into a monster final and see how we get on. Yeah, so you said there. Obviously, uh, it's been a good year so far, and performance-wise, you must be fairly happy w- with the championship to date. And like you said, I suppose with yeah, with underage teams, any day can be different, can't it? But what areas are you as a management group looking at in terms of improving going forward to Monday and, and forward to the rest of the year as well? Yeah, that's why I, I suppose we're looking looking to improve in a lot lot of different areas. Uh, I suppose especially we've been we've been slow to the blocks in nearly nearly all four games, three of them anyway, and and one we had a big wind in the first half and didn't make the most of it. So um, I suppose when it comes down to the end of the game, we seem to be uh, very hard working, uh, putting in a lot of tackles. Intensity is very high. We need to maybe sustain this more for for the full period of the game and. And maybe just just play for the sixty sixty five minutes or whatever you know. Like uh, we need to keep it going for the whole game. We haven't got a a full game out of ourselves yet, and we feel like we've a good ba- um, bench there, a good panel. Everyone's driving each other on, so we've good lads to bring on. You know, with you know twenty minutes to go to freshen things up, or if anyone is is injured or anything like that. So so yeah, d- different areas like that. I suppose uh, you can always improve. And, you know, defensive pockets and opposition pockets and stuff like that. Like you know, but uh, we're doing bit by bit every, uh, every every day and getting getting a bit better all the time. But I suppose the big thing is just uh, to say in the high level of work rate for the for the whole game. You know, do you feel pressure as a as a coaching group uh, when you have a team like this? And I suppose you know you're kind of the custodians of the younger generation. And uh, like just myself being a Kerry man looking at the. The fairly harsh criticism of, of the Kerry under twenty football coaching staff after they got knocked out of the championship. You know, there a lot of stuff goes to the styles of play and all that. Do you feel that sort of pressure, or do you just try to ignore a lot of that? I don't. I don't. I don't think you feel the pressure. I suppose. I suppose when you go out and you represent Cork, either as a player or on a management staff, there's a, I suppose, a level of expectancy there. All right, like you know, and and you want to do best for your county and the the tradition it holds and so on. And and the same goes with any other county. But 
I suppose you, you, you learn to ignore the outside noise as, mu- as much as you can and all you can do is your best and you, you put everything into it. And if that's not good enough in the end of the day, be it a player or a, ma- a management, you know, that that's that. Like, But once you put everything into it, you can be happy in yourself, like, you know, as a yeah. player or a manager or a selector or a coach or whatever you are. Like, And that's all we can do. And uh, we're trying to guide the young lads as best we, as best we can, um, trying to... Improving bit by bit every day, and like they, they have a lot going on. Like a lot of these lads are doing leaving service, a lot of them are in college. Like, you know, like, like hurling is vitally important, but you're trying to get them through, uh, you know, every aspect of things, like, you know. Absolutely. Um, a man with a lot of stuff on is Ben O'Connor, uh, St. Finbar's Ben mm-hmm. O'Connor, and he is available, I understand, I, su- I suppose. And then maybe the, the biggest question is the involvement of, of Owen Downey. Has the decision been made on that? Yeah, um, well, we, we we don't think Owen will be available to us. Um, obviously, the seniors, the seniors are out a week later, and look, senior obviously is the the be all and end all. And if he's on the the first fifteen there, he's needed for the seniors, and that's that. Like you know, so so um, unfortunately, we 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 shouldn't uh, we should we want of his services. Uh, ben 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 will be involved. You know, like yeah. he's he's done well from us since he came back in. He came back in a good bit ago, but. We obviously wanted to get his hurling back up to scratch. You know, he hadn't done much. Obviously, did a lot with the Bears last year. Uh, came back into it, did a few weeks with us on the training and uh, played the game against Limerick. And he's been coming on bit by bit again. Like, you know, and, and look, he, he's played with all these lads uh, all the way up. So he knows them very well and they have a good relationship and good bonds. So, look, he fitted in very easily there. Obviously, uh, manager Ben O'Connor made his feelings very clear on the, the situation with, with Owen. Uh, after the the yeah. Limerick game and like yeah, yeah it's very difficult isn't it but I do you know is this, does it still kind of stick or stick in your craw but I know I'm raking over all cold maybe but I, I, I look a lot of fellas have talked about it like to, to be honest it's just, look we all know it's a stupid rule like I, I don't get it like you know like uh, I suppose fellas loads at the start of the year is is where they find it very hard when they're in college and playing with the twenties and playing with the seniors and stuff like that that's when they need to be watched not when they're Playing games, there's so much, yeah. so much science goes into the strength and conditioning of of players and their their loads and how hard they're working. That if an under twenty team and a senior team can manage that together, like you know, they're in they're in the wrong job, really, basically. Yeah. Like you know, and it's not just one. Like you know, there's a there's a young lad from from Clare as well. I feel sorry for all of them, like because. You know, you're taking away, you're taking away the chance to play with their friends and the the, the peers and the fellas who they grew up with and fellas fellas who look look up to them. You know, in Cogan is is the captain of the the Clare team as well, and there's sort of fellas in other codes all over the or or other in the, in Leinster and so on. Like you know, so I feel sorry for the players more than anything. Like you know. You know, it's, yeah. it's 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 just not right. It doesn't sit with me, and I think it doesn't sit with a lot of people. And some will be done about it. I've no doubt. Yeah, because obviously, if Owen plays Monday, I mean, he's not going to get flogged in training in the midweek in the build up no. to the second game. Like, oh, but you're you're benefiting no one with that. You're not yeah. benefiting the seniors. You're not benefiting the twenties. Most importantly, you're not benefiting the young fella. Like, so like, like we know the story, and so 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 do, so so do the other managers around the place. Like, and everyone's. You know, you're trying to get the best of the young fellas for, for for the team and for themselves. Like so, I think it's up to the the managements to 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 monitor the load going forward. Like it would be my opinion on it. Yeah, and like especially when it's a massive positive that you have young guys that can affect senior games. 
Hey, exactly. Like, you know, like, uh, to be fair, like, these guys are like, the, the, to be honest, they're, I suppose they're stars in their own age group, like, you know, but they're, they're other players in the senior age group, like, you know, so they yeah. can fit in, they can do a job, whatever, like, but they, this is, the, these are the stars of our under 20, and under 20 competition. These are the fellas we want to see playing, like, you know, you know, and like, that's their time to shine, like, and that, and that actually brings them on because it gives them that bit more confidence. They might be a bit above the other lads at the at the moment and they might feel that and they bring that confidence onto the senior then and they get better at senior and that, that's the way it's always been, like, you know, and I think we're stripping that away from them. Absolutely. Are there any other injuries or players returning from injury ahead of Monday? Uh, yeah, we would like, look, we feel we, we Jack Lee, he's on his way back and, um, uh, we've a few niggling injuries here and there. Hopefully, hopefully they'll make it through. You know, um, yeah. we've our last training session there now um, tonight, so so hopefully they get through that and everyone will be able able to play a, a part anyway on uh, on Monday night. Claire, represent a big task. Uh, what are their main threats that you've you've seen ahead of Monday? Well, they're very hardworking. They're they're a good bunch of lads. It looks like you know they they work for each other. They seem very close. Um, a few very good players up front and Crotty and Smith and another few of them um, but they seem to have a, a good bond and there's a good, a good buzz around Clare Hurling at the moment like you know but uh, no different to ourselves like we're going hard and our fellas are getting on well and they're working hard like you know and, and look it's just, there's not going to be much in it uh, the under 20 level in all the games this year really um, it's been very close all, o- all over Ireland actually to be honest like so yeah. you know one day's another day a brand new day and we'll uh We'll see how it goes, but you know, there won't be much in it. Yeah, and these games are often some of the games of the years, aren't they? The the Munster yeah. 20 Harling final. Yeah, well, they're, 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 you know, there's a bit of rawness about them as well, like, you know, and, and fellas are eager to impress, fellas are a bit gung-ho, and that's the way you want it, like, you see see which lads do well under pressure, and, you know, you know, it's the stars of the future, basically, like, you know, you don't know how many you get out of it, but you'll, you'll try your best, it's still a developmental, I suppose, age group or whatever, like, but we're going out to win, and so, so are Claire, like, but they, they turn out to be great games in the end, usually, like, you know, and fierce excitement, and, and, and great for the young fellas, like, it's, it's, it's brilliant development for Absolutely, it's shaping up to be a cracker. Hopefully uh, everything goes well. From everyone here at Red FM, we wish you the very best of luck, Ronan, and uh, thanks a minute for joining us. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, Ronan Kern there ahead of the under-20 Munster hurling final between Cork and Clare on Monday. Obviously, uh, the talking points are on down. He's dragged down for a couple of weeks now and it is very unfortunate he's going to miss that game, isn't it? But, um, like you said, I suppose the positive is that he's capable of, of playing senior and, you know, there's there's been a lot of players, I suppose, like David Clifford never played under-20 football for, for Kerry. Um, but, yeah, it is it is a shame, like, for the matter of a day, you know. It, like, it would it would, uh, it would tick you off, right, to be fair. 44 minutes gone to Lansdowne Road, it's Munster 10, Munster 6 and uh, it's half time between Waterford and Clare Clare leading 110 to 10 points Ian Galvin with the goal for Clare Caleb Lyons has been sent off he got sent off in 30 minutes now I'm just checking the app here there's uh, two yellow cards uh, then the raid all happened in the space of a minute so was he booked then booked a second time for descent I'm not entirely sure but Waterford facing an uphill battle now 14 men on the pitch they trailed Clare by a goal at half time and if they lose they're out of the championship uh, another big game involving Waterford tomorrow and it's the Cork ladies footballers standing in their way in Clannacilty I spoke to Jeremy McCarthy ahead of the game that will decide the lineup for the Munster ladies football final alright Jeremy McCarthy is on the line to look ahead 
to a big game for the Cork Ladies footballers tomorrow against Waterford. The winner goes into the Munster final and the Rebels, I can imagine, Jar, will be in good spirits after the drama last week. Yeah, and, and drama. It was a, a night after Cork and Tipperary lit up Parky Creeve. Uh, the Cork Ladies Senior Ladies footballers staged a 10-point comeback late in the game to earn a draw with Kerry. It was a fantastic finish to a really, really good and competitive uh, Munster Championship game. And uh, Louise Nimeri Hurtig is somebody we have to mention because she played lights out. She's got 1 7 before having to go off injured. Um, but from that moment onwards, once she was off the pitch, Cork emptying the substitute bench um, just got another got an injection of life. Uh, Orla Callan came off the bench and got 1 1. Then um, Emer Kiley scored a terrific goal right near the end to leave a point between the sides. And Katie Quirk, who had a fantastic match to Bright Rovers forward, she got the equalising point. So, yeah, a morale boosting comeback um, on a day that Kerry looked like they were set for a victory in Parky Creeve. But um, very, very important result for Cork because it sets it up now for tomorrow's clash against Waterford in Clonakilty. Do you think uh, they would have proved the loss to themselves, let's say, you know, proved what they're capable of with that finish? And obviously against Kerry as well, very much the farm team in, in Ireland in ladies football this year. Yeah, I, I think I think it was a timely um, I think it was a timely result for the Cork senior footballers. They had, they've had, they didn't have a bad national league campaign. There were some really really good performances in there. The opening day win over Mayo above in Mayo, um, a really good performance uh, against Galway, um, destroyed Donegal and played really well against Kerry. Let's not forget uh, in Parky Creeve as well. Um, in the National League uh, before uh, you know beating me 2-8 to 11 points as well then in Parky Ring so they've had some good results in the National League what's important I think Aidan is heading into the All-Ireland Championship the Munster Championship has never been more important and the reason it's never been more important is that Tipperary and Waterford who compete with Cork and, Cl- Cork and Kerry now are really improved and are just you know are on the cusp but you now they're really starting to challenge both Cork and Kerry Cork went to Tipperary last time out and were very lucky to come away with a three point victory played very very well on the day and had to whereas Kerry were lucky to get by Waterford um, in their particular match before the two teams uh, faced off last week so what it means is in Clonakilty in West Cork tomorrow it's essentially a semi-final because the winners of Cork and Waterford will go through to a Munster final um, depending on what happens between Tipperary and Kerry at the same time also tomorrow afternoon so the Munster Championship is now a really competitive championship for four really good teams involved in it and, and looking capable of beating one another on their particular day and let's not forget that the last time Waterford and Cork played each other was in Piltone County Kilkenny I know this because I was there for Red FM back at the end of uh, back at the end of January and that finished 2-9 apiece and Cork needed an injury time free to get a draw from that so this is a serious Waterford team they have no fear of Cork they know exactly how Cork play and Cork vice versa from Cork's point of view this is going to be an extremely tough match but it's essential that Cork win it and get into a Munster final and get another crack off Kerry because these high profile and um, you know tough matches are what you need before you enter the the, the group stages of the All-Ireland Championship Yeah and it's easy to forget as well how much of a powerhouse Waterford were in ladies football going back the decades you know in the 90s they very much were the, the powerhouse team and pretty much uh, there, there was a lot of All-Ireland contenders knocked out of Munster between Kerry and Waterford back in the 90s and even in the club uh, championship as well just I know that from my own club Abbey Dorney uh, the ladies footballers being involved in, in Munster championship finals and always losing out pretty much to a Waterford team so um, like there's a massive tradition with them and they're going to be coming full of confidence themselves tomorrow yeah, no, I suppose the thing is, it's in West Cork. It's not in the city. And, um, you know, this is a big, big day for the Clannacilty. Not just Clannacilty 
uh, Ladies Football Club and Clannacilty J Club where the game is taking place but for the entire West Cork LGFA division and what I mean by that Aidan is like you're right the heritage that Waterford have that you've alluded to there the club scene you know Bally McCabry and all the success that they've had down through the years and underage as well they've been slowly building over the last couple of years both at Camogie and Ladies Football and we're starting to see the fruits of that now and um, this is you know, this is a Waterford team that has to travel. They're going to have to travel a little bit further than they normally do. But they're coming to a complex and they're coming to a pitch uh, that I had a look at this morning that's in fantastic shape. So there's not really going to be any excuses um, on the day itself. But it's a big day for West Cork LGFA because a lot of clubs in the area like Ross Carvey, like O'Donovan Rossa, like Bantry, like Castlehaven, like Valley Rovers, like Kinsale, uh, like Doheny's, and I'm, I'm probably leaving a few out now, Cor and a few others. A, we're expecting a huge crowd in Clannacilty, and Cork are going to need them because this is a Waterford team, as I said, that could have and probably should have beat them in the National League, but Cork came back very, very late on to get that draw. And uh, that was an important result on the day as well for them because it set them up for the remainder of the National League campaign. But this is a Waterford team playing, as we said, in West Cork, playing a long way from a long, long way from home. That will are in with a shout themselves. It, were they to beat Cork tomorrow, they would be in a monster point. So there's a lot riding on this. And Waterford's improvement in the last couple of years, this is an opportunity for them now to build on that and show, especially the performance they put in against Kerry in, in the first yeah. round of the Munster Championship. They were really, really good that day. They've got a lot of talented players. They're not, they're by no means a pushover whatsoever. Um, and Cork respect them. I know Shane Rene knows that he, the, the kind of game that's coming. He's he's well aware of um, of the kind of threat that this team is, you know, that this team poses. And you would imagine on the day, hopefully, if there's a huge crowd there, that they would help Cork get over the line in this. But this is going to be very, very close. This is a Waterford team, as you said, with a lot of heritage when it comes to ladies' football. They've been there, done that in years gone by. Um, this is a new team um, that has been built slowly over the last couple of years. It's got a lot of pace in it. It's certainly got a lot of scoring uh, threats and scoring prowess about it. You look, the player, I suppose, that springs to mind would be Kellyanne Hogan. She's one player, definitely, that uh, Cork will have to mark very, very closely. But there's also others like Kate McGrath and a few others as well on that Waterford team that are, certainly will have no fear of Cork. But coming to West Cork, it's going to be a very different occasion for them, unlike when they play in Parky Ring or Parky Creeve. There's going to be, hopefully, a very, very big crowd and a partisan crowd, party atmosphere as well. But that should not take away from the business side of things. And this is going to be very, very close. And uh, whoever wins it will get into a monster final. Um, the difficulties continue, I imagine, with, with dual commitments as well. And uh, I suppose how big a factor has it been that the dual players have had a clear run now with the football maybe over the last uh, week or two? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Orla Cahalan is probably the best answer to that. I mean, she didn't have any... Uh, the players involved uh, that are involved with the Cork senior football team, including Orla Cahalan, Libby Coppinger and, and Hannah, Hannah Looney and Eve Healy and a few others... Um, like Orla came off the bench and scored 1-1 she looked fresh and she she could have scored a second goal I suppose the point is at this time of the year it's unusual for uh, Shane Renan to have uh, complete access to these players that's only unfortunately down to the fact that um, as we know um, Cork suffered an early exit and a surprising exit from the Munster Camogie Championship but right now I suppose having access to those players is crucial and critical for Shane not necessarily just to go out and try and win a Munster Championship Aiden, but to you know to, to get those players used to playing whatever system they're going to use against Waterford tomorrow against whatever system they intend to use in the group stages of the All-Ireland Championship and I suppose just the freshness alone of those players that they don't have the burden or worry about having to play a camogie game within 24 hours or even on the same day at the moment it certainly seemed to, it, it certainly seemed to help against Kerry last week definitely not just Orla Cannon but Libby Coppinger played particularly well as well and Hannah Lunius were up and down the midfield as well so these are important players for Shane Ronan and the Cork senior setup. not having um 
any current Cork senior uh, camogie commitments although we wish they had uh, from, from Cork camogie's yeah. point of view is certainly benefiting Cork and an unchanged uh, 15 personnel wise has been <laughs> named um, I suppose Shane Renane will be confident the, the, the players on the bench can go and make a big impact especially after that finish to the Kerry game um, so I, I suppose it was a no-brainer maybe to stick to that that unchanged 15 I think he has made one or two changes let's say numbers wise a bit like uh, Pat Ryan did against mm. Tipperary um, but uh, yeah the, knowing what you have on the bench can go and affect the game like that must give Shane so much confidence on the line Yeah I, I kind of half laughed at you there because anytime I see a team sheet <laughs> up, not just from Shane Ryan but any uh, ladies football team uh, it's hard to it's hard to know whether that will be the starting fifteen or not, and that's simply down to the fact that uh, for whatever reason the Ladies Football Association insists on counties naming their team as early as possible in the week and then releasing it on a Friday. So I, I would take that team with a pinch of salt. Aiden, is what I'm saying. It wouldn't surprise me if it was the starting fifteen, but um, we'll have to wait and see just before just before throwing. Your point about the bench: Dara Kiley, Laura O'Mahony, Aoife Healy, Orla Cahalan, and Mara O'Callaghan would walk on to most, if not all, inter-county teams around the country. They're the five players that came on against Kerry. And there's the sample, a sample size of the strength of the panel that um, Shane Renan currently has. Remember, Laura Fitzgerald is still injured. There's a couple of others injured and they're not involved at the moment either. So the strength of the panel would be absolutely crucial because I think Cork are going to need their entire bench to get over Waterford again. I think Shane realises that too. It's a big wide open pitch in Clonakilty. The forecast is good. Um it's going to be a full on, full you know, high octane, a lot of running and probably, you know, counter attacking between the two teams if their previous encounters are anything to go by. And the reason I say that is because, you know, um, Cork are well capable of mixing it up and getting numbers behind the ball as are Waterford as they did above in Pildown and Kilkenny that day it's going to be a very interesting tactical battle to see how these two teams uh, line out as well but yes I think you cannot expect to win Provincial or even All-Ireland now um, look at Kerry look at the strength of their bench and the coup they've been able to call upon uh, in their in their various games unless you've got at least five game changers and again we go back to it um, you, you know Orla Cahalan with 1-1 one, one off the bench but the impact that Laura Manny and Dara Coyley had um, and Aoife Healy and Mara Callan on the physical side of things, it was an incredibly physical game against Kerry. Some of the hits and tackles last week, like they were shuddering, expect the exact same again tomorrow. It's become a very, very physical championship and teams are now uh, quite strong and athletic players, 1-15. to 15, So I would expect more of the same against Waterford tomorrow. It may not be the prettiest of football, Aidan, yeah. but the occasion should overshadow that. But um, I do expect Cork, if they are at full strength and if he's going with that particular starting team, which I don't know if he is, there's enough on the bench um, if Cork played to their full potential and they'd have to play to their full potential and um, they should just about edge this Winner goes through to the final do we have to have a winner on the day is, is the draw possible here? Uh, that's a very good question I believe um, I believe uh, it will depend a lot on Kerry's result against Tipperary and scoring difference I think does come into it in Munster certainly does the all Ireland Championship so if it comes into it in that sense we may well have the calculators out but yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping there'll just be a winner and that we, uh, we just know right at the end that I can come straight across to you to the studio and tell you exactly what's happening but I, uh, because things are so tight and because things are happening um, as, as we said because now it's such a competitive championship with four really strong teams uh, you're right we could well have uh, calculators and laptops out right by, by tomorrow but hopefully not 
Yeah, it, it look it sounds like it's going to be a really exciting day in Clonakilty, and if this weather stays the way it is at the moment, it'll be even better. Uh, Jer McCarthy, you'll be there for us tomorrow. It'll be a big one. Rory will have all the reaction here on the Big Red Bench from 6pm. And like we said, hopefully it'll be progression for Cork into the Munster Ladies Football Final. Jer McCarthy, thanks a minute for joining us today, and uh, we'll hear from you again tomorrow. No matter, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be a big one tomorrow in Clonakilty for the Cork Ladies Footballers against Waterford. Uh, yeah, Waterford, as was just mentioned there, Waterford would have had a lot more ladies of Ireland in the 90s if it wasn't for that ridiculous Kerry team, uh, 10 or 11 in a row, whatever it was. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a big one tomorrow. Munster have a great chance here. They're uh, on the almost five metre line. It's 13 10 to Munster. Tugburn went over for a try. They're going to get a penalty here. Jack Crowley stepped into the number 10. He started at 12. Ben Healy went off. His head was burst open. Uh, he was uh, bleeding fairly badly. So, And Jack Crowley's doing quite well driving on that pack. Munster, this is a huge chance now. This is the chance. If they don't beat Leinster here, I'm afraid. I worry to see whenever they are going to beat them uh, so yeah hopefully they can make this advantage pay uh, I was just telling you about that Caleb Lyons red card 110 to 10 points at half time between Clare and Waterford oh, extremely harsh stuff for Caleb Lyons he goes over and gives a bit of a shoulder barge at one stage gets the other card for that then commits a foul about 10 seconds after that not even whatever and uh, maybe uh, fair enough the foul he committed might have been a, a yellow card offence but the first one wasn't really really harsh but it is 11 points to 110 now Dizzy Hutchinson just pointing after the resumption of play alright we are out of time hopefully uh, Rory is going to be coming on here talking about uh, a Cork victory in the day's football and a Munster victory here at Lansdowne Road against Leinster as they're plugging away here a line out on the 5 metre line uh, hopefully they can get a score uh, Stormers awaiting in the final Rory will tell you all about it tomorrow he'll round up all the day's action from 6pm until then thanks a million for joining us and uh, tuning in uh, this weekend all the other weekends as well and uh, really feels like summer now doesn't it getting into the thick of the uh, GA championships and the weather is starting to look nice too um, alright we're going to leave it there Stevie G is on the way next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Cork